Amen. Well, if you uh, have your Bibles, you know where we're going to be. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're, we're kind of living here for the summer. And um, I have to tell you, um, one of the biggest responsibilities of any parent, other than trying to raise your kids up to do the right things and try to give them, instill wisdom into their life and, and really try to help guide them, but probably one of the biggest responsibilities, even before they are born, is naming them. And I remember when Sherry was expecting Evan, we got this big book, very similar to this, complete book of babies' names. And we started talking about, especially when we found out that Evan was gonna be a boy, we started looking at like Edward, would that be a good name? Uh, we thought about his grandfather's name, Charlie, Charles, uh, I like the name Grant. I'm kind of a history buff, so I liked Grant. I thought that was kind of a cool name. But as I was looking in the baby book, um, and Sherry was the one who came up with it, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, she's always right, so it's a good choice. But she, uh, she came up with the name Evan. And when I looked it up in the baby book, the, the, version, the meaning of Evan was, came from Irish, and it meant young warrior. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. So my son, Evan, is going to be a young warrior. That's going to be great. And when he was born, he has lived up to that name. I just, I, I'm so proud of him. But it's a big deal. When you name your kids, it's a big deal. Last night at camp meeting, we were sitting around the campfire, and I, I, we were talking about names and what they mean. And I was like, yeah, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about names tomorrow. Um, and I said, I looked up earlier that day, I looked up the name Sherry, you know, my wife's name, and I learned that her name meant princess. And I was like, yeah, that's probably an appropriate name. I, I treat her, or I try to treat her like a princess every day, but her parents did a great job. She was named Princess Sherry, so that's great. So when you see her next, call her Princess Sherry. I'm sure she'll appreciate that. But then we were talking, and, and we looked up Jenna's name, and Jenna, I think your name was, uh, oh, I got it here. God is gracious. God is gracious or small bird. I like God is gracious. I think that's a good one. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was a great name. And knowing Jenna, you know, for the last several months, I see the grace of God in your life. And so I think that's an awesome name. Then we looked up Pastor Jeremy's name. And I learned that his name means God is uplifting. Now, I think that's a great one because anyone who knows Jeremy, he's very positive, he's uplifting, he's encouraging. But I learned this weekend as we sat around the fire, he is very seriously considering doing some skydiving with Pastor Jerry Carpenter. And so he's been talking about this. And of course, Sherry and I are like, don't do it, don't do it. You know, I, why would you jump out of a perfectly good plane? That makes no sense. But I love the fact that his name is God is uplifting. So if he does jump out of the plane, hopefully God will uplift him so he doesn't come crashing to the ground. But names are important. And in fact, in the Bible times, they were critically important. What's amazing about God is no one ever named God. No one got the baby book out and said, oh, I think I'm gonna name God this. No. God's true name is chosen and revealed by himself alone. We do not tell God who he is. He tells us and reveals to us who he is. 
And God's name comes before all other names. Like we sang about today, his name is above all names. And when you look at the third commandment, it's all about the name of God. And you saw in the video, I've subtitled this series because a lot of times we get hung up and it's very easy to get legalistic when you start to, to study the Ten Commandments. But when you look at the words of Jesus, and you saw it in the video, it really boils down to really our mission statement here at Chillicothe First. It's about loving God and loving people. And if you look at these commandments as a relationship with God and others, they cease to become rules. They become a lifestyle. They become principles that you live. And that is the beauty of the Ten Commandments. They reveal to us that we can't live this lifestyle on our own. We need a savior. We need a God. We have broken the commandments. I know I have. And that's where grace comes in. And that's where God's love comes in. And what he says is through my strength, I can help you love God and love people. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verse seven, just one verse. I'll read it with you. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Help us to see what it means to truly use your name with reverence, with awe, with respect, with worship. It is a beautiful name, a wonderful name, and a powerful name, and we should never misuse it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this commandment is very simple, and we just read it, but I like the sound of this, and so let's say it again together. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And this is one of those commandments And when I look at all 10 of them, I think this is probably the commandment that is broken the most often in our society. I don't think a day goes by where we haven't heard God's name misused, whether it's on a cell phone call, on a movie on Netflix or Hulu, when you're driving in your car on Bridge Street, my favorite street in the world now. But this is the type of thing you hear. You hear it all the time. God's name is misused. And I think, and I know I've been guilty of this. And, and people will say, well, come on. It's okay. You know, it's, it's really no big deal. You know, if you want to just, it's, it, I mean, compared to murder, is this really a big deal? Come on. Come on. But it is a big deal to God. In fact, when we read the scripture, Exodus 27, look at the last part of that scripture. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's you, that's me. He will not hold anyone guiltless. And so the question I want us to ask today, why is this such a big deal? It seems like such a minor infraction. It seems like it's just conversation, just something that kind of slips out of your mouth. Why does God make this a big deal? In fact, if you look at all the commandments, there's only two that he talks about consequences for for breaking. This is one of them, and then last week with idolatry, he talked about the sins of the generations to the third and fourth generation. 
Those are consequences of breaking that. And there's a consequence with this one. He will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses this, his name. So there is something about this commandment that's important to God. And I like the King James version of this. Many of you guys grew up on the King James like I did. And it just says, you shall not take the Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And I like that word vain because it means empty. It's an old English word, empty, meaningless, or having no real value. Just using God's name flippantly or carelessly or thoughtlessly. That's what this, this commandment is all about. And so when you look at the first three commandments, and we've lived in them for the last three weeks, you can kind of see God's progression. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's allegiance to God. It is all about God. You want to be completely devoted to God. The second one, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. So remember, that doesn't mean just a wooden idol or a statue you would put in you. Anything can become an idol if it comes before you and God. So that's your devotion to God. He wants you to be devoted to him so that you love God first. If God doesn't have first place in your life, he really doesn't have a place in your life at all. You've relegated him just to a little corner and he's not in charge or on the throne of your life. He needs to be first in our life. And then we get to this one. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. This is all about reverence to God, keeping God's name holy. And remember, the word holy means set apart. We, God's name is different than the name of Ed, than the name of Jenna, even Jeremy who wants to skydive. God's name is different from all of those because it's separated, it's set apart, it is holy, and it reveals to us who he is and how important he is in our life. So there's four main reasons, real quick, to keep God's name holy and why it is important to God. Number one, we honor God when we treat his name with respect and reverence. When we treat his name with the respect and awe that it requires, we are honoring the Lord. Remember in the Old Testament, God's name was only spoken once a year. That's how set apart, that's how holy it was. It was on the day of atonement and only the high priest could speak his name. And so, as you know, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the spotless lamb's blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And during this day of atonement, where all of Israel's sins were atoned for, that's when his name was spoken. I love that. Because I remember one, one day, I went to an altar. And I spoke the name of Jesus. And my sins were gone. I came out a clean person as white as snow. And I want that name to be above every name. I want that name to be special. That name saved me. And anytime I use it flippantly or carelessly, I just lose that impact of what God has done in my life. His name reveals his love and his character. His name is beautiful. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. And names do reveal character. Let me give you an example. What do you think of when I say Abraham Lincoln? I think of the Gettysburg Address. I think of all the different things that this, this great president did and how our nation wouldn't be the nation we are today if it wasn't for this man's leadership. 
What do you think of when I say Joseph Stalin? What kind of character is revealed there? Probably completely different than Abraham Lincoln. How about Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos. Now, when I think of him, I think I'm losing a lot of money because everything I order off of Amazon. So that probably is what I think of. But what's the character? What do you think of when you think of Bezos? Maybe going to outer space or something like that, rich billionaire. Maybe that's who you think of. What do you think of when I say Mother Teresa? What kind of character is there? You see, a name reveals who that person is. What do you guys think of when I say Woody Hayes? You all you Buckeye fans are probably going, yeah, Woody Hayes. What do you think of when I say Bo? Probably a completely different thought than when you thought of Woody Hayes because the name reveals character. It reveals who that person is. So when we say God's name, it is holy. It is set apart. It reveals who he is. I love how the Ten Commandments, those first three, really talk about how we need to love God. And it's interesting to me that God speaks in the first person in the first two. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's first person. And then for number two, he says, you shall not make for your, yourself an idol for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. He's speaking in the first person. This third commandment that he talks about, for some reason, is in the third person. He says, you shall not misuse my name. No, he says, you should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And I think Lord is important. Whenever you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bible, that's not just a title. That's the name of the Lord. It's Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah. And so what God is saying here is that he is calling special attention to his covenant name and his character. He is not just a God. He is Yahweh, the one and only God. He is Lord. And when you look at the names of God, Yahweh is that God who's the covenant keeper. That means if you put your trust in God, he doesn't break promises. He follows through and he helps you. He is Elohim, he's the great creator. It amazes me to think that the God who created this world, the Grand Canyon, the great mountains of this world, the great oceans, he is the God that I can speak to and call out his name and he will listen. He is Elohim and he is Adonai. He's the master, the Lord. He is the sovereign ruler of this world. And so when we use the name God in that flippant, careless way, we're negating all the greatness of that God. His name is above all names. We honor God when we treat his name with respect and reverence. When we use God's name in vain, it does show deep disrespect for his powerful name and for God himself. One of my <clears throat> great role models when I was growing up, and I've mentioned this before, was my grandpa, Ray and Shirley Hewitt. Grandpa and grandma, Ray and Shirley Hewitt. And they had a wonderful marriage. <clears throat> I, try, I, I try to emulate their marriage with, with Sherry and I, but they just had a wonderful marriage. I can never imagine my grandpa, Ray, calling my grandma, Shirley, uh, the old ball and chain or an old hag. He would never do that, even in a joking manner. Why? 
because he loved her so much that he wanted to show her ultimate respect, no matter what. He always spoke highly of her, and he used her name. He would call her names like darling and sweetheart, but he respected her in such a way that was powerful. God's name has deep spiritual significance. So when we treat it worthlessly and we use it as profanity, it really is obscene and profane in the truest sense of the world. We need to have a high view of God. I love what Jesus says, Matthew 12, 36. I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. If we have used God's name carelessly, we will have to give an account. And this is one of those commandments, and let me be completely honest, I've broken this commandment, and I'm sure probably most of you have. But the grace and love of our God can cover those things, and, and he, can, he can forgive. He can, you call his name out like I did at the altar of prayer. You can receive his forgiveness and grace. Praise the Lord for that. And through his love and through his strength, he can help you realize how important it is to not use his name in vain. Here's something that reveals the way I think. And I've, I, I, you, you might have an opinion about this, but I've always wondered, it seems like whenever God's name is used in vain, it's always dealing with God, Yahweh, or Jesus, Jesus Christ. Why are other deities names used in vain? Why when I get cut off on Bridge Street, Bridge Street, I don't say, oh my Zeus? Or why don't I say, oh wow, Odin, or something like that? Why don't I use those names in vain? It's weird because everybody in this world, whenever they use a God's name in vain, it's God or it's Jesus. And I think it, it reveals a spiritual battle that we're in. See, Satan and sinful man are only in conflict with the one true God. They don't care about Zeus. They don't care about Odin. They don't care about Buddha. They are only in conflict with Yahweh. So that's why we do not see blasphemy directed at other deities like we do with God and Jesus Christ. Satan is targeted on them. He wants us to defame them. He wants us to profane them. And so that's why we don't do it. And it just... It's the way my brain works. Why don't we do that? And I think it's because of the spiritual warfare that we're in. Satan only wants to attack the one true God. He doesn't care about any of the other deities of this world. So we need to not show that deep disrespect. Number three, God's name, using God's name in vain, makes known our hypocrisies and double standards. Um, this third commandment is like a legal stance. It's like taking an oath where you guarantee if you're going to use the Lord's name, you're going to tell the absolute truth. Um, and so the question is, are our words guaranteed and do we stand behind our promises? You see, craftsmen is one of my favorite tools. And one of the reasons I like craftsmen is if you ever have a tool that cra of craftsmen that breaks or doesn't meet your complete satisfaction, you can return that tool to any retail partner, Sears is no longer around, but retail partner and other craftsman outlet, and they will replace it free of repair or replacement. That is a good guarantee. 
that is something that I, that's the reason I buy craftsman's tools a lot of times. Even though I don't know how to use them like I've revealed to you guys, I do like this because of that guarantee. When we say God's name, there needs to be a guarantee that we're doing it in the right way, we're doing it in an appropriate way, and if we ever promise to do something in God's name, we need to make sure we do it. It's a guarantee. We are using his name. And look what Jesus says. He says, again, you have heard it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. Amen. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. The background on this verse is that the Pharisees, who were really good at looking holy, looking really righteous. They would make oaths, they would make promises, and instead of making an oath in in the name of the Lord, they would do it on their head, they would do it on, I make an oath on my head, I make an oath on earth. They would do everything they could so that they could get out of that promise through a loophole. But Jesus is saying, that's wrong. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you use God's name, if you promise to do something in God's name, You need to do it. How many times have we broken our promises to reveal hypocrisy? Maybe we ask God to forgive us in the name of Jesus, but then we return back to that sinful lifestyle. Maybe in Jesus' name we ask God to heal me. I'm in this desperate situation. I'm I'm, I'm on life, I'm, I'm on death's door, and I say, Lord, heal me from this cancer. Heal me from this diabetes. Heal me, heal me. And if you do that, I promise I'll teach a small group or I'll promise I'll teach a Sunday school class. God heals you, but then you don't follow through. Or you pray in Jesus' name, maybe to help you get a job, maybe to help you get the finances you need. And Lord, as soon as I get that job, as soon as my finances improve, I'm gonna go ahead and tithe. I will make that commitment to you. You get the job, your finances improve, but somehow the tithe doesn't happen. How many times have we asked for something in God's name and even promised a guarantee to do something, but we don't follow through on that guarantee. When we pray in Jesus' name, asking what we want and not what God wants for us, that is using his name in vain over and over and over again. I've done it in my life. Maybe you've done it in yours as well, but that's something that the Holy Spirit can convict us of and we can receive forgiveness and grace from the Lord. Final thing, using God's name in vain reveals our heart, our heart. Once again, the greatest teacher in all the world, Jesus, said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you speak, it reveals what's really inside. You can look good on the outside. You can be wearing a three-piece suit, tie, and look great, But if your words don't match that exterior, then you're revealing what your heart really is. Using God's name in vain reveals a heart that mocks God's authority. God, you're just something else in my life. You don't have any authority. And it really does reject God in every way. And especially if we have unsaved friends or unsaved loved ones, unsaved family members, and our words are not reverent to the Lord, what, a, what kind of witness are we really creating for those people? Our words have to match our heart. And I pray that your heart has been changed through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I, I love the story and I can relate to this because I work in the business world as well and I know how this happens. There was a pastor who was preaching a revival. He got on a plane, he was really tired and he was t- thinking about you know, how thankful he was that God had been with him during this revival. He was flying back home to be with his church on Sunday morning and as he sat in his chair in the plane, he heard some business guys behind him and they were using every four letter word they could They were using God's name in vain over and over and over again. And the pastor, most of the time, would just sit there and kind of take it. But he said, you know, something welled up in him. And and there might be a time in your life where you need to defend our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And finally, the pastor just got so sick of it that he, he stood up and he said, excuse me, gentlemen. He said, are any of you pastors? They looked at him and said, what? What, what, the blankety-blank do you think? Why would you think that we are pastors? And he said, well, in the last, in one sentence, I heard you say the word God, I heard you say the word hell, and I heard you say the word Jesus Christ. I can preach whole sermons and not get all of those concepts in, in those sermons. He said, my Lord will not be used as a curse word. And suddenly those men were silent for the rest of the plane trip. Sometimes we hear it so often that we've just become inoculated to it, desensitized to it. And sometimes as God's Christians, we need to stand up for that God who is holy, who is powerful, who is wonderful, who is beautiful. His name is not a curse word. His name is powerful. And I think there's more times that we need to stand up and defend it. You see, if we are Christian, we're called to be Christ-like. We as Christians bear the name of Christ. And you might say today, well, Pastor Ed, I used to use God's name in vain. I don't do it anymore. And I say, praise the Lord. God has helped you with that. But my question to you today is, if you call yourself a Christian, but you're not living that Christian lifestyle, Isn't that another way we're using God's name in vain? You see, there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. I've seen it on Facebook. They'll put scriptures up and things are good, but then you get to know those people and they're tearing people down. They're criticizing people, but they call themselves a Christian. That's another way we use God's name in vain. We say, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a disciple, but I'm not living that lifestyle that God has called me to do. I think that is another way. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16, really gets at the heart of this. He said, Paul tells Titus, they claim to know God, but their actions deny. With their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything. If we are calling ourselves Christians, we need to be Christians in this world. We should live up to that name because if we don't, we are using his name in vain. How do we use his name in vain? Obviously with our words, we're all familiar with that, but our actions as well. If we claim to be a Christian, but we act like a hypocrite, that's using God's name in vain. If we say we're a Christian, but we have an ungodly lifestyle, that's using his name in vain. If you say you're a Christian, you're a Jesus follower, a disciple of Christ, but your attitude and treatment of others is horrible, critical, and judgmental, 
I think that's using God's name in vain because Christ reached out to people. He loved people. He reached out to those who were forgotten, the marginalized, the ones that society rejected. He was always reaching out in love and he is our example. You see, God tells us we should be holy. Why? Because Christ is holy. If God is holy, we need to be holy if we're truly followers of him. Holiness is living out the character of God in this world. And if we're not doing that, we really shouldn't call ourselves a Christian because we don't deserve to have that name Christ attached to our behavior. If we're truly Christians and we're truly living up to his beautiful, wonderful, and powerful name, we need to be more and more like Christ. Can we do this on our own? No, I've tried. That's a burden that will wear you down and you can't do it. But if you surrender to him and let him live through you, that's where you can do that. Not about me, it's about him and living his life in my life. So how do I take his name seriously in my lifestyle? Reading the scripture daily, gaining insights into his word. If you're not doing that, you should start. It's a daily practice that will change your life. Am I praying continually, developing that intimate relationship with Christ? Remember, these are not about rules. They're about relationship, and God wants a relationship with you, and a relationship only happens if you're talking or communicating to God. Am I going to church regularly to receive fellowship from believers and biblical teaching? We at Chillicothe First Church have Sunday mornings. We've got Wednesday night with Pastor Jeremy. We're gonna be starting small groups. There's gonna be more and more opportunities for you to grow spiritually. Take every advantage you can in those. And then the biggest thing, am I sharing my faith with others as Christ has commanded in the Great Commission? If we're calling ourselves Christians and we bear his name, these are some things that we need to be doing on a daily basis. And if we're not, we have to figure out, do we really deserve to call ourselves Christian? I like this quote, are we Christians? We ought to think and speak and act everything as becomes Christians and do nothing to, repro to, do nothing to the reproach of that worthy name by which we are called. If we are calling ourselves Christians, we need to live up to that name that we're living. If we don't, then we fail miserably. And I feel like we, we use his name in vain when we don't do that. We can't do it on our own. It's only through the power of his Holy Spirit. So today, let's make a commitment to keep God's name holy, to treat it as high and powerful as it is, and to live up to that name and share the love of God with others and with everyone that we come in contact with. I want us to close by singing another song, and we already sang it today, but I love this song. I love this Gaither song, and if you've ever seen Gloria talk about this song, she, she has this wonderful writing that she kind of quotes, and she talks about how the name of Jesus, she's seen a mother at a bedside of a child, a sick child, and that mother would breathe the very name of Jesus, and that child's fever would instantly break. That's the power of that name. That name is wonderful. That name is beautiful. It is powerful. And we need to treat it with the respect 
and reverence that it deserves, not only with our mouth, but with our lifestyle as well. Words and actions. That's how we honor and esteem and reverence the name of our Lord. Let's stand and sing this song. We'll just do it a cappella, no instruments needed, and we'll close our service with this. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the We come to you in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name, the precious, beautiful, wonderful, and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Lord, help me to never use that name in vain. Help me to esteem it, to reverence it. It means so much. It means that you are a personal God, not just a, a, a deity that's far off and not involved, but you are a personal God who loves us, who we can call on your name and you are there. It, whether you're in a hospital in Florida or a church service in Chillicothe, Lord, you are there at the very mention of your name. Help us, Lord Jesus, to not only not use that name in vain with our words, but help us to live that name out in our lifestyle each and every day. So many times we take for granted, our words might be good, but maybe our lifestyle isn't where it needs to be. Lord, you are the God who can help us with both our words, which is a heart condition, and with our lifestyle. And that's what my prayer is for all of us today. We want to love God and love people. And one of the ways we love you, God, is reverencing you and being in awe, and making sure your name is set apart. We love you, God. We ask this in your name. Help us to walk out of here living in victory and bearing your name to a lost and dying world that needs Jesus in their life. We love you, God. We ask this in your name, the precious, holy, and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace. Live in victory. Share God's love with others. 